Welcome to this 66th edition of Make Pro Wrestling Majestic Again. I am, at least to the knowledge of everybody right now, still Majestic Champion of the World Tiger Height. And he is the soon going to be the former mm. Majestic Champion of the World Tiger Height. But I am the future Majestic Champion of the World, the Gallery of Mini Peanuts. And we have a lot to talk about in the world of pro wrestling. But let's start off with SummerSlam. This was the first true test of yes. Triple H as head of creative. Something that I will then highlight a little bit later on. He will. But let's talk about the show itself. Number one, this entire show gets a two thumbs up for me. It, I love it. It gets it gets a one thumbs up. I think I think you're putting on some rose colored glasses there. Let's no, talk about I it. Thought it. I thought it was absolutely fantastic from pretty much the groundwork up. And we're going to start with our first match which was for the Raw Women's Champion where Bianca Belair defended against Becky Lynch who looked like a cyborg bride coming out. Right, uh, okay. This crowd reacted amazingly to the match. Yep. Uh, the back and forth between both women was excellent. Yep. And they had to pull something off to the degree that it had to be, and they did that in strides. Right, well, I mean, we can't talk about this match without talking about the fact that Becky Lynch got a little injury. Now, the injury we do not know the extent of. I looked... Earlier today, at wrestling sites on what was going on with her shoulder, and I saw nothing that le that leads to a like like an actual injury. like like so, a major injury. Yeah, so it was probably just a stinger, but yeah. I saw like an indentation. Yeah, it looked really scary. Maybe it was a dislocation. The thing is with dislocations is that sometimes they don't tear anything. Right. So it's like oh, easy pop back in. Just right. you know, rehabilitate it for a couple of weeks. You can still wrestle on right. it. Right. I mean, goddamn, if uh, Dax Harwood can wrestle with a torn labrum, Becky Lynch can wrestle with a really uh, a newly reformed in dislocated elbow. Right. Or shoulder, excuse me. Uh, the pacing was pretty much exactly what it needed to be. Yep. Uh, lots of great action back and forth. Um, Becky Lynch, you even told, you even said this. Becky Lynch has really toned down her reactions. Yes. Did you want to? Did you want to reiterate? No, no, I don't. I don't need to reiterate on that. There's no reason to. Uh, so yes, uh, Bianca Belair won with a KOD. It was a KOD on the floor, and then a KOD after a Spanish fly for Bianca Belair to retain the title. And we gotta talk about that ending. Number one, this match gets a full thumbs up. It was this a thumbs was a up. Very good match. Yep. I really enjoyed it. Uh, just, it was a good opener, et cetera, et cetera. Now, now if you want me to include the post-match, well, this include, gets a two thumbs up. <laughs> no, no, no. Let's not go that far. But let's talk about post-match. So, first, fucking Bailey comes out. It was Bailey, Bailey, Dakota Kai returns, and then EO Sky. Now, I thought Corey Graves was being an idiot, but no, it's EO Sky. Yeah. Eh. I mean, Shiraya Sky in Japanese, is it something like that? Who anyway, cares? Anyways, um, let's... They're, they're a faction. Yeah. Um, I was pretty much exhausted by that point. Um, and this was a faction, actually, that we learned today was actually something that was pitched to Vince McMahon but rejected by Vince. Yep. So this is Triple H's booking right yep. here. And then Becky Lynch stood shoulder to shoulder with Belair, pretty much turning her baby face she needed that so fucking bad. Yeah, she reestablished herself as the man. Yep. She's, so. she's really back to where she needs to be. Mm. Not this, 
weird cybernetic big big time bullshit. It's let's have a badass. Let's right. have some badasses wrestle. Okay. Um, this has reset the women's division to such a great point. I I don't know how I can make this more majestic than it was. There it there was, isn't anything I you mean, can do. I mean beyond. I mean it. I don't want to say it's perfect, but god damn it, it was close. And the only thing was is if they took off their clothes and started lezzing out, then that would have been okay. Okay, then. <laughs> well, let's move on here to Logan Paul Once again, versus The Miz. Okay. Logan Paul, who continues to impress me. <laughs> he's just... he's pr- I, I, Versus I, The Miz in a one-thumbs-up match. I'm going to totally agree with you. One-thumbs-up. Uh, there were a couple of spots here and there that the timing was slightly off, but this was his guy's... This was Logan Paul's second match ever, and he is better than pretty much everybody on the Indies. Yeah, like, don't even. He's try better to than fight Dominic him. Mysterio. Oh, by a mile. By so, a mile. So let's talk about this. So there's one criticism I can give about this event in general, is the fact that they had wrestler theme songs come on in the middle of matches. Yes. So um, which made no sense. Right. The, the match was going on, and Champa, who was being kicked out, basically had a pity party. And then, and then, the chair and sat down. And then AJ Styles comes out. Now he AJ Styles' out. theme music played, and he came out. Yes, he came out through the crowd to attack Champa to but get the, him the fuck off. But the theme song was being played, and that's what pisses me off. Yes, that that's was the a, only that was thing. A, that was a bit annoying. But like the action itself, uh, Logan Paul doing that frog splash from the top rope to the floor to the uh, to the announcer's, announcer's table. table. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, there, there aren't a lot of wrestlers that are comfortable doing that. And yet, this guy, I do not, I, I'm not the biggest fan of Logan Paul, uh-huh. like as a guy. Right. But God damn it, he is passionate. Mm-hmm. And he has really, it's duck to water sort mm-hmm. of taken. I don't think I've ever seen like, yeah. a person be this impressive this quickly. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, you can train somebody all you want. Let me look at Dominic Mysterio, a great example. Literally second generation, and yet still sucks. Mm-hmm. And yet Logan Paul, who has zero experience in the wrestling industry, has taken to this like Ronda Rousey has. Right. Well, How even then, he's still better than Ronda. I mean, in a way, yes. Um, it was a skull-crushing finale for Logan Paul to win 100% a thumbs-up performance and a thumbs-up match. Um, yep. I did like the Mrs. Gear was hello. Uh, Mrs. Balls are massive on right. front of him. I dig that. That was really funny. All right, moving on. Next match. Let's go to Bobby Lashley versus Theory for the United States Champion. It was a man match. It was I. You know, the thing I'll was... I'll give it an Orange Cassidy thumbs up. I'll give the same thing. It was really close on being a full thumbs up, but you just kind of know who won. And yeah. I feel like at this point, Theory is beyond the United States Champion. Yeah, 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 yeah. We don't need Theory in the US, but US title picture. And the thing is, like, um, Lashley, Lashley but... is... A, here's the thing. Lashley is in a good spot with this because, number one, he is a champion. Yeah. But also, he is one of those guys who can really elevate other talent. Theory... Right. I feel like Theory has surpassed the mid card. He is a he is a main eventer at this point. Yeah, and he really has that experience. Lashley, who is a veteran, is in a great position to bring up those people like right. John Cena did with the same title right. with his open challenge. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously they. I felt like they cut it off a little bit early because obviously Theory was going to theoretically be involved in the main event. So. I see what you did there. We we under we understand <laughs> like no no you said theoretically theory is gonna be it uh, whatever <laughs> anyways 
Um, you got way yes, too much uh, enjoyment out of that. I really did. I, I thought that was funny. So it was a hurt lock, and it was a quick tap out. Now I really liked how they actually had this ending. You knew it was going to happen right, that because, way. Because here's the thing. It, it, it gives the impression that Theory was smart enough to say, I am in this hurt lock. I cannot get out of it. I don't want to get hurt before cashing in. Let me tap really quick. This is not my priority. Right. And that's fine in this context. Right. Because he did that before, which, you know, once again, right. it was really good. Once again, you know what? I like the match. Yeah. It was a fun little breather in between, like, some big matches, some big returns uh, to kind of get the crowd. Yep. It was a palate cleanser match. Right. And there's nothing wrong with a palate cleanser match. All right, moving on to the next match. We have a no disqualification oh my match. God. I know, I know. Between uh, the Mysterios and Judgment Day, we talked about this match was just the the only reason this match even existed was for Edge to come back. Yep. I mean, otherwise this was just stupid. This was a bad match. It was. It was a bad match. So number one, now Orange Cassidy thumbs down. I'm giving this a full thumbs down. Ah, one hundred percent. Here's the thing. There were so many things wrong with this match. Number one, you have a no disqualification match. Why are they doing tags? Right. Now, if you want to do a no disqualification, now this is how you make this majestic again. Because it's really not that big of a change. Right. But it makes the difference in the world. Make it a tornado tag. Yeah, make it a tornado tag. Have them just fight. Instead yeah. of like, oh, here's a chair. Let me like brush it up against you. Like that's going to be a thing. Who cares about that? Right. I want to see like... Let them beat the crap out of each other and have Judgment Day starting to win, and then you have Edge come back. Oh, by the way, Edge came back looking like... Again, theme song at, at all, whatever. I you mean, know, him, him with his little fire, the theme song in the middle. It's such a weird hang-up for you. I don't understand it I don't it like at it at all. I, I hate it. Can you, can you explain why you don't? Because it doesn't make sense for, like, return. It, it just doesn't make sense in the grand scheme of the match. Does it, like, does it break your flow of the match? It does. It breaks the flow of the match. Now, I think in some cases, a theme song is fine. Now, a good example of it doing the right way was when Sting, when was, when Sting debuted in WWE, where it was at the very end of that Survivor Series match, and then you had Sting, who came out, that was different. But that's different. No one cares. All right. Well, no, there, there's a way to do it. Well, yeah, but... But, no, at the end of the day, it was a 619 and pretty much the worst splash that I've ever seen from Murray Mysterio to win. They did not give a shit about this oh, match. Oh, God, no. And I not, didn't give a shit about watching the match either. And the problem, that's why I gave it a thumbs down because I'm like, I know these guys are all... all. I mean, at least three of the four of them are very good. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, even Rhea Ripley, who's really kind of the catalyst for the Judgment Day at this point, really was not involved. I thought she was going to be more involved in the match. Yeah. If she was out there, why wasn't she more involved? Right. Dom, Dominic in? Mysterio just sucks. He's he's not improving. There's no. no improvement. Why do you think they? Why do you think he's in the low card? I've 100% give up. Gave up on Dominic Mysterio. Yeah, pretty unless, much. Unless unless he like pulls out a fucking banger, I'm done. Like, right? I have there's no hope. Zero interest. There's he, no hope for. There's him. there's no in ring presence. Yeah. There's no selling. There's. I don't feel like there's passion with him anymore. No, no, no. He's lost and his passion. It, it's so unfortunate. It's like, oh, what about you guys? Criticism? No, we give criticism to where it makes sense. Dominic Mysterio cannot he, blame. He he left his heart in San Diego. Yeah, he does not give a shit he about this. Care. He doesn't want to do this. I swear to God, he's not going to be with WWE here. No. 
<laughs> given this track record. Now, going to a match that was actually a lot of fun. It was. This um, was a fun match. Pat McAfee, Happy Corbin. Um, I really well before we talk about this match, let's talk about the uh, let's talk about the the uh, announcers, the 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 play by play commentator and the color commentator for this match. So so, so it was Corey Graves and Michael Cole. Now I would probably bitch to a fit about Corey Graves being on there, but even Corey Graves has improved yes. slightly, but he has improved. He has improved. I'll give him that. And Michael Cole. Awesome. He was so good the entire night. Yeah. Um, these two had the most interesting rivalry going into the match. Yep, they did. They had absolutely. Uh, they, they even had a really good in-ring match, and they told a really good story. They did. Too. I liked Happy Corbin's interaction with Michael Cole mm -hmm. and putting on the headset and continuing the wail on McAfee. I really liked McAfee's interaction with even Corey Graves. Yeah. On giving him a suck it and high fiving everybody else on keeping that baby face yep. mentality, there was so much right with this match. Yeah, I'm giving this a full thumbs up. Just a thumbs up. For it me was as well. it was a fun match. Um, it it told an interesting story. It told a great story. You had, and you had, you had the interactions good, were just good. You had, you had good athleticism. Happy Corbin and Pat McAfee. They have great chemistry, mm -hmm. and that was something that I was really happy about. Uh, Corbin has that great heat. McAfee has a great baby face. You just had something special right. here. Um, go out of your way to watch this match. Like, if you yeah. want to watch any match, this is the match to watch. Um, it was a sunset flip powerbomb, which was super impressive for McAfee to pick up the victory. It was all right. That was an all right finish, but... I, I kind of I kind of wish McAfee had more of a consistent like move that he used like a finishing move. Yeah. Even though he's not like a full time competitor, I feel like there should be something that really sets. Him oh, absolutely. Apart. Like, like like a punt or something. Right. You know, if you, if you want to be back to the calls now, a great way to make this more majestic is if it was literally like a punt that like injured Corbin like in his ribs or even to his head to where he couldn't kick out. That would have been a much better ending okay. than the Sunset Flip Powerbomb. Eh, but that's being whatever. really – well, that's that's being trying to make this majestic again somewhere because nothing There's... else I would have done differently. Right. <laughs> All right. Oh, God. It was a really fun match. Let's talk about – Usos well, Street Profits. Yep. Uh, Usos versus the Street Profits with, with Jeff Jarrett as the special guest So here's, here's another disappointing thing is that Jeff Jarrett didn't do anything. He was just the ref. He was the ref. Yeah, no, I kind of wish there was a little uh, more interaction there. I want a ref bump. I wanted, like, Jeff Jarrett to do something with the guitar, but no! He didn't even have a guitar out there. I know! Okay, this was right after you watched his match at Ric Flair's final match. Like, I don't care. It was still terrible. He was just a ref. The match itself was very good, though. Yeah, well, well, yeah. Once, well, once again, if you have an Usos versus Street Profits, you're going to have a good this match. This is a thumbs up. Yep, 100%. A thumbs up. Uh, I, I wanted Jeff Jarrett to do more. If it was a special guest referee, I expected Jeff Jarrett to do things. You know, maybe maybe a little shoving match. Maybe right. a little like, more. Like, come on. Like, we can't we can't have baby face. Now, I, now I will say one thing. Um, uh, Montez Ford had a great interaction with Jeff Jarrett into that degree, but mm -hmm. it wasn't illustrated strongly to where I could care if yeah. I was not a regular watcher. Right. It was just whatever. Who right. Cared? Like, I, I want maybe a little, like, shoving interaction. Maybe because the Uso super kicked Jeff Jarrett on SmackDown last I would. Week. I would have loved to have seen a Ric Flair 
bump or, or something because this was the same weekend as Ric Flair's last match. Literally the day before. Yeah. Like, you couldn't have done that any better. Now, if, if like Ric Flair came out, people would have lost their shit. Oh, that, yeah, absolutely. That would have been fantastic. That would have made this two thumbs up, like yeah. 100%. But overall, it was still a very good match. Um, it was a 1D for the Usos to win absolutely do. cleanly. Um, it is what it is. I can't really do much about it because they still continue to pull out bangers. And that's the thing about the Usos. People are like, oh, well, why are the Usos champion? Because they're because they're so goddamn good. Yeah. Like, what can you do? What do you want to do with that? What, right. What do you want? Right. You want the best tag team to have the tag team champions. These are the champions. This is your this is your final boss. Right. You know, the Usos are your final boss. That's All right, well, let's talk about something that I didn't like because okay, I'm going to give it an Orange Cassidy thumbs down. I'm giving this one a full thumbs down, and I'm going to tell you why. Both women were so disrespected on this. Number one, I, I, I pre-recorded I, I recorded this because I put in the footage, right? Right. There were no entrances for either woman. None. Because what do you mean? So you had the real Seth Rollins thing, right? Right. And I watched it four to five times, and this was a full stream of like a thing. No, no, I, I succinctly remember uh, the Ronda Rousey and the Liv Morgan entrances. I I, I double and quadruple checked. And no, no, I did there not were the th- there were entrances. I remember, I remember Liv Morgan's entrance. Was this before or after Riddle? This was after. They had entrances. Are you sure? I'm pretty damn sure. I remember. <laughs> I remember Liv Morgan's entrance more specifically. But yeah, they both had entrances. Okay, maybe I'm just crazy. I mean, but you're an idiot, so we'll roll with this. I, I recorded. I watched the recording. I had to edit it already. I, I don't understand. Like they were in the ring after Riddle was carted off. No, you you obviously got something wrong. It was rigged. I'm I'm pretty sure it was a rigged recording. I I succinctly remember live that there were actually there were actually like things. I'll double check on my footage, but well, I'm why don't you double sure. check on fucking Peacock? I might. Anyway, so let's talk about the match. Um, it was actually kind of shit. It was. It was a shit match. Shit finish. It was just. It was. It was not shit. Good. It was shit all the way around. Here's the thing. Um. Liv Morgan won with like a weird roll up, right? And it was Ronda, it was Ronda, it was Ronda just like as bad as her first time. Here's my issue with this: is that they want to make Ronda Rousey a heel, but after the finish, Liv Morgan looked more like a heel. I'll be honest: Ronda Rousey was definitely screwed. She looked like a babyface after this match. Well, you know. Now she she attacked the refs after the frustration, but she kicked out. But Liv Morgan, who rolled out of the ring after looking very diabolical, she looked a little heel. Now with Triple H booking, you never know what's gonna happen here. Maybe maybe this was a Liv Morgan heel turn. <sighs> that would be cool as fuck. Maybe I don't know. I just didn't like it. it was, I didn't. I didn't like it either. I didn't. I, I did not like you. This match. You back yourself into a corner with Ronda Rousey, especially really with someone like Liv Morgan. Come on, right? Like, it, like what person on the face of this planet is going to believe that Liv Morgan defeated Ronda Rousey clean? Right. And, and see, that's the other thing. They they booked Ronda Rousey so strong, and the fact that Liv Morgan had to cash in to pin Ronda at first. Now Ronda did full pin. 
but it was after she was hurt. Now maybe have an interference. Maybe maybe try to live heal. Maybe it was like oh a cheap shot or something, and then do the pin. That it was, it was just it was just bad from the start. No, um, I'm trying to make it majestic again. That's yeah, there's there's no way to make it majestic. Oh no, there's a way to make this majestic again. 100%. Well, well, yeah, but you have to turn live heel, yeah. which is not the intention of the WWE. Well, Overwatch. then, well, you know what? That's how you make this majestic. That's again. true. You you give them a swerve. You give them something different. And with Liv, I want being, I want Liv to be a bad girl. Yeah, that would be awesome. Are you kidding me? Have like Liv do like oh um you know like a, a, cheap, shot, shit. a cheap shot with like a belt or something. Right. Like, hit Ronda in the knee or something. Right. And then do a roll up. You know how fucking cool that would be. Right. Of of Liv turning heel, that would be a swerve. Yeah. And then you have Ronda who actually has a legitimate gripe with losing at right. SummerSlam. Exactly. And then you have a rematch. You can build on that. But with this, I'm sorry, there's it's hard to really right. build on what's going on exactly. here. Exactly. Because I don't even know what's going right. on here. Anyways, there that, we well, have it. Well that's how you make that's how you then make that shit majestic again. It's once again a really easy change but makes the world a difference. Right. Let's talk about this main event. Two thumbs up. Two thumbs up. Of all the matches that Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar had, oh, by the way, it was Roman Reigns defending the undisputed WWE Universal Champion against Brock Lesnar, last man standing. Brock Lesnar with his motherfucking tractor. He brought a tractor. <laughs> I mean, that was so a thing. All right, there's. Also, also, before we go into it, Brock Lesnar cutting the promo, he froze the mic at Roman, and Roman, cash. Boom. Just. Catches it like a boss. It was a great. I, I, I can't not watch that replay. It was so good. So, anyways, <laughs> there was a lot to unpack with this match. So let's unpack the match. Uh, this was the best match of Roman Reigns Brock Lesnar over the years by a country mile. Right. So let's talk about some of the highlights. Obviously, if if you if you if you spend any time on social media, you'll know exactly what happened during this match because there was a lot that happened. There really was. Even even before the one spot that we talked about, these two had great hard-hitting interactions. That right. looked like they were beating the crap out of each other. Right. Um, I really liked the interaction with the Usos and Heyman throughout the match. I really liked uh, like the desperation attempts with Roman and Brock. Like It looked like they were like, oh shit, what do I have to do to actually keep this guy down? Right. Tractors lifting up rings yeah, and so, moving so them. Brock, Brock Lesnar. Gets back into this tractor. I mean, this is not like a small, like, howdy-doody tractor. This is, let's mow, like, 20 million... This is a modern-day tractor. He lifted up the ring. He literally lifted up half and the ring. And if you look at social media, you'll know everything that happened with um, that. Even, even this stuff. Um, theory comes out. And attempts to cash in. And that was great, because then you still He never that. ends up cashing it in. He didn't, nope, he did not. The cash-in never happens. So right. he still has money in the bank. Yep. Uh, we'll most likely see the cash on Raw, because that will get people talking. Or or whatever. Well, you know Triple H, that would make sense. Yeah. You want to you you get that first Raw with a bang, that's how you get that with a bang. Well, they're not going to do it before Clash of the Castle. No, I think Drew McIntyre is going to win it, and then Theory's going to cash in there. Well, I mean, that, that's how you're going to make huge money and make Theory the most hated thing in the, all of wrestling. If you think fucking Hulk Hogan... Turning heel on the NWO is going to be bad. Right. Think of Theory cashing in a newly won Universal Champion on Drew McIntyre and Cardiff. Like, come on. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's talk a little bit more about just this match. So, um, it was 
It was fantastic. I mean, uh, there was a spear, and then Lesnar was just buried under rubble. I don't know how they managed to do this, but even though Lesnar... Oh, you know what I hate about this match is the fact that even as they were putting stuff on top, that he was... The, the ref was so... The ref was so counting. That was the one thing that I was, like, a little bit confused about when they were actually starting to do the count. I'm like, they're still interacting with Lesnar. Right. Don't they start the count until after? Because right. by the time they bury it and Reigns got on top of him, the ref was uncounted. What was the point? Yeah, that was stupid. Anyways. This was absolutely fantastic. I... It, it, it told the story that it needs to tell for this, the time. This is done, though. If they mm-hmm. continue with the Brock Lesnar-Roman Reigns thing, other than a special attraction match, like a retirement match, then they're stupid. Right. Because this is done. Like, a last man standing, you have established Roman Reigns as the guy. Right. And Roman Reigns is still the champion. Um, a lot of people will disagree with that. I, I can't. Mm-hmm. I, I just can't right now. They want McIntyre to do it, and they're right. going to. We're going to see that, and that's going to put McIntyre on such a different level. Right. Because this ain't Vince McMahon's WWE anymore. Right. And the thing was is that the AEW people, and I, I know I, I pull this out of my ass, but they know they're in trouble. Oh, yeah. And we're going to see that now. Yep. We're going to definitely get this. Like I said, this was a great SummerSlam. Yep. I so much enjoyed it. But when we come back, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about the McMahon uh the the McMahon Levesque era and um, and we're going to grade their first foray into this new world. Oh, absolutely. That we call 2022. Absolutely. And we'll be right back. All right, we are back. Peanut Gallery. Let's talk about the McMahon Triple H era. Yeah, so obviously uh, Vince is it's, – it's very clear, I think, from, from the outset that Vince is no longer in charge of creative at this point in yep. time. And I think we saw a lot of examples of it happening throughout SummerSlam. I think that in our previous part we had – made a lot of points that points to the fact that Vince McMahon is no longer in charge. And we've seen it from the small things at Raws and SmackDowns to even big things that happened at the pay-per-views. And I think that a lot of things are going to change now with McMahon in charge now because we 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 were able to speculate. Or not Vince. Right. But we were able to speculate, and and we've done all of these speculations and rumors, and and everything else is happening with, with, oh, what if theoretically these two took over? Well, now they've taken over. Right. So I'm going to go through some of the things that could possibly change going forward. I saw saw a thing on Twitter Mm -hmm. a couple of days ago. By the way, follow me on Twitter. Link is either going to be right there or in the bio. Or in the description, excuse mm-hmm. me. But a lot of people were saying that Vince McMahon is holding WWE back. You don't have that excuse anymore. Right. What's going to happen at that point? Right. Like, where, where is that hold back now? And I even said this before. AEW is actually now in trouble, and they are now more than ever. Because now you have a multi-billion dollar company behind Triple H Creative. Right. 
Um, and I think that there's going to be some competition. I think there's going to be some changes. Because Triple H has a good reputation among the wrestlers within the community. Um, you know, especially in terms of where his position is at now. Exactly. There's a much better... Uh, a much better reputation going around. But let's talk about some of the things that could change under the Triple H there's era. Gonna a, there's going to be a greater influence on what's going to be happening. We saw right. this with the re-signing of Dakota Kai yeah. and the re-signing of Io Shirai, who was pretty... Uh, she, she, was, she was out the door at that point. She had one foot out the and door. Then, and then also now the interest of... Uh, indie stars now wanting to come back right. to WWE because Vince McMahon is no longer right. in charge. And also the AEW guys who want to go over to WWE. Now is even before the yeah. Mr. McMahon thing. But let's talk about this because uh, Logan Paul is just one example of many. Because WWE is, is, is taking, I think they're under the McMahon-Helmsley era. They're, they're going to make a more um, hybrid approach to signing superstars. Right. So they are still continuing on with the next in line program where people from outside of the industry are going to come in and become WWE Yes, stars. and we are, we are fully aware of the many injuries that happened during right. the SummerSlam tryouts as so, well. Um, so Triple H maybe wants to mix that up with some indie stars as well. Right. So there's a mix of indie stars and NIL stars. And I think that's going to be a good thing because you'll yeah. get a firsthand experience from somebody who may have a little more um, credibility, not only credibility on camera with the fans, but also credibility as a competitor. Mm -hmm. You'll have a little more training even within the ring, which is always a good right. thing. We, we, saw, we saw that success already with the old NXT. Right. They had that hybrid. And it worked. And then the other thing that we're going to see a lot more of, too, and um, take that with a grain of salt, is we're going to see more celebrity sightings, like Logan Paul, for example. We're going to see more Logan Pauls come through. But, but here's the other thing, too. You're not just going to see celebrities who don't care about wrestling. You're, You're going to see celebrities that care about wrestling, that want to train for it, and that want to be successful at right. it. Right. You have Bad Bunny. You have Logan Paul. You're going to see more of that. I mean, Logan Paul is just the first of possibly many people that... Um, want it's, a, it's, it's, to, it's, not, it's not a possibility. It's a guarantee. Well, yeah, it's a yeah. I mean, that's just the way it is. And we talked about this too. So, interestingly enough, uh, the 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 Bailey faction that we had was actually rejected by Vince McMahon. Obviously, Triple H had a different idea. And also, and this is what you get. You right. Get, to, to the fact that you have Dakota right. Kai coming back after being released. Yep. You have Io Shirai or Io Sky, excuse me who is pretty much resigned with the company and now is yep. in the main event scene. And then Bailey, who's kind of now put in this huge position, yep. is almost indicative of what we're probably going to see within the next couple of months. Mm -hmm. We're going to see a lot of people coming back. Yep. And I wouldn't be surprised if some AEW guys want to jump some ships because we're starting to see the cracks. Mm -hmm. And also a lot of people who are like, I'm happy to work for trips. But maybe not Vince. Right. But now you don't have that excuse anymore. And that's the thing. You're, you're going to see a lot of people let their contracts expire or request to be released. Yep. It's going gonna, it's gonna to go down with the E now. Yeah. Because, you know, like, they, they've always had the money, but it's always been about the booking. But now Triple H, who has always had that mind of just knowing what to do. And here's what most people don't realize about Triple H is that Triple H is one of the best. He's, he's one of the best minds in the industry. I mean, yep. he's, he's like JR levels of, like, 
communication and and um, and just relationships with wrestlers. Like he knows everybody in the industry. You don't think he doesn't know? Oh, he knows everybody. Like Ring of Honor, uh, AEW, Impact Wrestling, MLW, NJPW. He knows everybody. And the thing was that we saw a ton of great examples just even within the Ric Flair's last match thing mm-hmm. on the change of direction with WWE. WWE production guys were there helping um, uh, uh, Conrad Thompson yeah. and Ric Flair's last match. Mm-hmm. That would have never have happened with Vince. No. Ever. Because he sees them as competition. Triple H sees it as a potential opportunity for the future. Right. And you know that they were there. You know mm-hmm. that, that Triple H and the, Stephanie were there. With that, with that, with that production there. quality, what are you talking about? Right. Like, come on. They, they were definitely there. So let's talk about this because there were some rumors, too, that NXT 2.0 is going to need a little bit of a change. Now, they're not going all the way back to the black and gold era of NXT. But, again, I think that we're going to see a lot of differences with the presentation, the style of wrestling, and the opportunities afforded to superstars within the NXT system. I'll be honest with you, I would not be surprised if you saw some of those AEW guys go through the NXT system mm-hmm. to kind of be retrained right. to a system that has worked for so long right. with a person who knows what the fuck they're doing. Right, because with Triple H running NXT, you saw the potential. You saw well, that no, you saw that they would bring back Mickey James. They would bring back Jushin Thunder Liger for like special matches. Maybe we see that happening again. Maybe we'll see your MJS. You'll see your Warblows go through the NXT system where they'll already have the name. If, if, if they sign with the company, absolutely. Right. And even maybe maybe even like some of those um uh, other AEW guys who left the company. Maybe we'll see the Undisputed Era back within NXT. Maybe not necessarily just to be on camera, but maybe to train. And that's the other thing, too. Keep in mind, it's not just one thing. And then also, Shawn Michaels is working directly with um, NXT. And you don't think Triple H is going to be maybe a little more loose and tie about what Shawn Michaels is doing with right. them? He's, He's already been successful with NXT UK right. to an extent. Right. The, the, the difference is, is that NXT UK starts a lot later, and it's a much different wrestling style. It is. So, but even within NXT or even in the United Kingdom, NXT UK is pretty much the most popular brand right. within that system because they have the best quality matches. Right. And that's Shawn Michaels' baby. Right. Now, if you don't think Shawn Michaels will have a little bit of grubby fingers within the NXT system with Triple H as head of creative yeah. and Stephanie McMahon as CEO kind of holding that, come on. Right. You're an idiot. You're an idiot if you're thinking of Right, this. absolutely. But, um, you know, NXT is going to undergo a, a few changes. I think that we're going to see some marketable improvements. I think we're going to see uh, more indie stars than we are seeing now. Maybe, maybe a little more nitty-nitty gritty with the NXT I product. Know. I mean, it really just depends. I'm, I'm excited. That's, that's the other mm-hmm. thing. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, and absolutely. That's, and that's what's exciting. Like, that, that, that gets your blood boiling. That, that gets you ready to watch Raw. Because, again, we got a little taste of it, but what's going to happen going forward? Right. What's going to happen with Clash at the Castle? And I want to talk a little bit about that as well, because 
I think that with Clash at the Castle, we're going to kind of see maybe a little fuller vision of what Triple H wants. Right. You're seeing from uh, post-SummerSlam to Clash at the Castle booking under the new regime. Mm. And I think that we're going to see a little bit more happen. I think we're going to see a, a much more full transition with this. I'm excited for it, though. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was, I was excited for Clash at the Castle to begin with because of what we're definitely going to see. Mm-hmm. But now with this new regime, with this new kind of booking, you know this thing is probably going to be a slam dunk. Oh, absolutely. So that's all I've got. I mean, you know, we, we've speculated and speculated. Well, here's reality. Here's, here's what we got. Yep. And, and I, I'll reiterate this because I think it is something. AEW better have be on their toes at this right. point because now they can't coast anymore. Right. If they continue to put on the product that they have, they're not going to survive to the end no. of the year. And we've we're already seen ratings drop. And now with Triple H being there, what's going to happen at that point? Right. What is he? What else is he going to do? Right. The thing is, we're not going to know everything immediately. Right. This is going to be. This is going to be at least two to three months minimum. Before on, before on we see potential. before we see a pattern. Right. On the full potential on what's going to happen. Is this momentum going to continue or will it flop? Right. We'll just have to see. So when we come back, with Ric Flair having his very last match in a pay per view named after such. Let's talk about other pay-per-views, events, and tours that are named after wrestlers, groups, etc. And that's when we come back.
So we are back, and let's learn a little bit of that old-school wrestling that you know and love. And what we're talking about today are pay-per-views, large events and stuff named after particular wrestlers. This is a transition in time. These are wrestlers that are above and beyond any company, and we saw that with Ric Flair's last match because it's Ric Flair. But let's go through the um, Heralds of Time to talk about other ones who kind of have that same sort of feel and like. Now, we're going to go really old school here with the rematch of George Hackenschmidt and Frank Gotch for the World Heavyweight Champion in Chicago in 1911. I don't think people realize how big these two were in just sports in general. They promoted this match, and they booked this match for Chicago. It was literally called Gott Hackenschmidt, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, it was called the, it was called the Match of the Century back in 1911. The tickets sold for around $10 in 1911 money, and they sold out 70,000 people, and this was in a baseball stadium. There was maybe a handful of people that were actually um, around the ring on the other side. Like The whole bowl over here was packed full of people. They sold out this thing. And the match itself was uh, riddled in controversy. But the thing was is that this was the first indication of a wrestling show that was named after the wrestlers, not a promotion. And before this, it was Carnies because Carnies ruled wrestling in the early 1900s in America. The original match in 1908 was huge. But it was actually just a wrestling show, not a marquee. This was a marquee match. So this was the first indication of that thing. Now let's go into a tour with somebody who arguably has just as big of a reputation within the wrestling industry as Ric Flair, and that is Hulk Hogan. Now, Hulk Hogan had his Hulkamania Let the Battle Begin tour in nine, uh, 2009, and this was put on by Hogan and Eric Bischoff. Wasn't this Hulk Hogan's last wrestling tour, like his last matches? Were no, no, no. So, so the thing was is that Hulk Hogan wrestled in, T this was in 2009. Hulk Hogan went into TNA and had some matches with them in like 2011, 2012. So this was actually before Hogan signed with TNA. He, now, the original intention was this. So this happened in Australia, and it took place uh, on the 21st, the 24th, the 26th, and the 28th of November in 2009. He faced, ironically, Ric Flair in every single main event of those shows and won every single one of them because it's Hulk Hogan and it's his tour. The original plan for this was actually going to take the Hulkamania tour around. So they actually had plans of doing this in China, in other parts of Asia. They actually even had some stuff um, scheduled and possibly done in Vietnam. And also they were even thinking doing it in Japan 
and they were even talking about Korea. So we might have even actually gotten that Collision in Korea OG match. But uh, because the attendance for this was so poor, they decided not to do that. Because, they, I mean, they were like in Sydney and stuff. And, you know, Australia is just hankering for some wrestling, but not Hulkamania 2009 wrestling. Yeah. So uh, that was just another one, very similar to what we had with Ric Flair, but it was more so of a tour than it was like an actual just legitimate thing. Now we're going to go maybe a little more uh, depressing, and that was the Von Erich Memorial Parade of Champions. Now the first, now this was in memoriam of David Von Erich, who passed away at that year in 1984. Kerry Von Erich won the NWA World Heavyweight Champion, Against, once again, ironically, Ric Flair, because David Von Erich, who was uber popular at that time, was going to win the NWA World Heavyweight Champion before he passed away in Japan. And they gave a brief history on this event during the Dark Side of the Ring episode on the Von Erich family. The thing that they did not tell you was that this was not the first either Von Erich or Parade of Champions. Well, it was the first Von Erich Memorial, but it was not the first Parade of Champions. There were four other Parade of Champions-esque shows promoted by the same company under different names in pretty much the same arena. Now, there were seven, seven Parade of Champions overall, but there were the four that was before this one, and then there were three others after the original one in 1984. Hmm. So it was always called the Von Erich Memorial Parade of Champions after the first one. And they always held it at the same exact time. And it would, the first one was promoted by Southwest Sports, which was the company named before the WCCW and WCWA. Mm -hmm. And it was always in front of the... Um, Oh, God, what was it called? What was the arena that was in? Um, oh, God, what was it called? It was somewhere in Texas. Yeah, it was Sportatorium. Thank you. Uh, the first Von Erich... I, I, I want to I give you this picture because this is really an illustration on how quickly WCCW went down between the first Von Erich and the second Von Erich because they were one right after another for each year, right? The first Von Erich show drew 32,123 people. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of freaking people for a wrestling event, even especially in 1984. The last one drew 7,000 people. Yeah, it was that bad. So uh, just kind of a thing. Now, here's the thing. Um, and I want to talk about this one because of that Jurassic thing and also how big the event was. But there are a lot of shows that are named after wrestlers after they die. So the one thing about Hulkamania's tour was that that was the last show that Umaga wrestled before he passed away. Mm -hmm. But this one is just one of many. So we had Raz Owen. We had the Eddie Guerrero tribute show. You had the Chris Benoit tribute show. We'll talk about that one. Well, we're not going to talk about that one, but that one was a little bit different. But we had a, we, there were a lot of shows across the world that do tribute to dead wrestlers. And I think that one is good to illustrate because it's named after a wrestler. Now let's talk about some that are named after groups. And there are more than you think. 
So let's talk about the one that I really want to talk about was that was NWO sold out. There were a lot of NWO shows, though. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, in, in, in the WCW, there were a lot of shows named after the NWO. Right. And um, this was just one of them was NWO sold out. Because this is like, what, 95 or something? Yeah, like 90, that, right? it was actually the first one was in 97 under the NWO banner. There right. were WCW sold out. Right. But this was the first NWO promoted one. But this was during the downhill of it in general. Because keep in mind, too, is that they wanted NWO to be its own company. Like Raw and SmackDown, they wanted WCW Nitro and NWO. But they just never really got that. Now, there was one other one that was an example of it named after a group. And that was D-Generation X in your house. Mm -hmm. And that goes into... The in your house at the very tail end of its history, right? Because even they named shows after wrestlers, uh-huh. but they did it more cleverly than Von Erich, NWO, etc. This one with this poster, this was called Rock Bottom in Your House. Obviously, you know who it was named after. But there were a couple of other ones. There was um, In Your House Revenge of the Taker. And um, in your house, Canadian Stampede, which was a company naming a pro wrestling show after another company. But, you know, there was a Stone Cold one. There were a couple of different ones. Yeah. But, you know, um, overall, I mean, these are just a couple of examples. Right, it was in of, your house. Right. Uh, these are just a couple of examples of pro wrestling shows that named shows, tours, pay-per-view events after other wrestlers mm-hmm. that transcended certain things. Speaking of which, when we possibly come back... When we possibly come, when we come back, we're going to be talking about... Another show that transcends all of wrestling. Exactly. So that will be when we return. All right, we are back. Peanut Gallery, Ric Flair's final... Or is Rick Rick Ric Flair's last match. That's the name of the pay-per-view, yes. Yes. Produced by Jim Crockett Promotions. Yes. Overall, I'm going to give this show an Orange Cassidy thumbs up. It's an Orange Cassidy thumbs up. Um, I thought it was fun. That last match drug on way too long, but we'll talk about that here in a minute. But Peanut Gallery was not within the... Um, uh, he did this not show watch. started hell early. Yeah, well, I'm glad. But it, uh, it started at 3 our time. But I'm going to talk about the pre-show matches... Kind of quickly, because, you know, who cares? So let's talk about the first match, which was Yuya Unamura taking on Ren Narita. I butchered at least who? the first guy. Uh, these are just some young lines from the LA Dojo. This was uh, New Japan's representation during the show, pretty much. Hooray. And it's very unfortunate that, that this was the only representation of them. Nobody uh, cares. Now, the one thing that I really talked about here was... Uh, David Crockett, who was on commentary with Tony Giovanni, he did not seem too familiar with anybody during the pre-show, but then he kind of got up to speed during the regular show, and he was actually not even a bad commentator. I thought he actually did okay. Yeah, okay, so so I don't even know who these wrestlers are. They're just some guys from the L- – who cares? Yeah, they're, Jesus. They're, they're LA Dojo guys. It was a belly-to-belly bridging suplex. I don't know why my uh, – Spell check and called it a duplex, but it did. 
for Red Narita to win. It was a fine match. I'm going to give it an Orange Cassidy thumbs down because at the same time, it was just kind of there. Let's talk about the Buckhouse Battle Royal. Now, this match was usually like a hardcore match, and they promoted this fairly well, but the issue was it was just a regular Battle Royal. Nothing here was different other than throw your opponent over the top rope, both their feet touch the floor. There was a table spot. That was pretty much it. Now, there were a bunch of scrubs in the ring, but Sin Bodhi, James Storm, Bully Ray, and Nick Gage, who didn't even wrestle, got their own entrances. Now, when Nick Gage came out, a bunch of um, GCW guys decided to invade. Uh, come on, you're not ECW. Fuck right off. And they just had a battle. It was just a battle royal. Like, it was so lame. You, you missed nothing. I'm glad that I missed nothing because I had more important things to do. Yeah. Uh, like it, watch paint dry. Yeah. I mean, I, I would have um, I would have rather beat my meat to uh, uh, through a fucking like piano wire than watch this shit again. It was oh. lame. It hmm. was lame as fuck. And so the final two were Mace Warner and Bully Ray. Bully Ray powered Warner through a table. That was the most hardcore spot of the entire match. And then uh, Warner won. Warner was the one who eliminated Bully Ray. <laughs> That's just what happened. Um, the thing is that the Buckhouse Battle Royal, they have like this boot and the buckle. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of cool of that nostalgia, right? But yet they fucking butcher the actual Battle Royal so bad that I couldn't give enough of a shit. It was hard to actually care. Because number one, it was on the pre-show. And number two, it was just a Battle Royal for a thing. Yeah. I mean, at least have it hardcore. Anyway, let's talk about our first match on camera, which was the Motor City Machine Guns taking on the Wolves. Hooray, this match existed. Although Impact did do a great job with, with just building the backbone of these of, of this pay-per-view, so... Yep. Um, I thought this overall... This is there. Yeah, no, here's the thing. I thought overall this match was a great opener. I'm going to give got, it a thumbs up. Yeah, no, I'll give it a thumbs up. I thought as a... As a opener, it was very good. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of fun, but the problem is, is that these are not the Motor City Machine Guns and the Wolves from like five years ago. Right. You definitely see some ring rust. You definitely see them like just kind of going. They, they the still, they still put on a banger. Oh yeah, they did. I mean, it's kind they of got, hard. They got the crowd riled up. Oh yeah, and it was skull and bones for the Motor City Machine Guns to win. Mm -hmm. Overall, like I said, it was a fun match. But the thing was that if you saw Motor City Machine Guns and the Wolves in TNA in like circa 2011, you pretty much got that here. Just, you know, 11 years ago. Right. You, Mo missed, you missed it. Nothing. Let's put it Moving that way. on. Let's, let's talk. Let's talk about a match oh, that actually was good. God. This was lame as fuck. I'm going to give it a thumbs down. Uh, 100%. So we have uh, Davey Boy Smith Jr. taking on Killer Cross. I didn't think that Killer Cross was so lame. He was really bad. It was so stupid. It was a slog. Like, what the fuck was this match? These two are such good wrestlers. And I thought this was going to be the show stealer. Scarlet Bordeaux was more was, was more appealing to me than anything that happened well, inside it, that ring. It's Scarlet Bordeaux. That's true. Number one, Killer Cross needs to shave his head. Like, his hair is kind of annoying. It looks really stupid. Also, this was just... 
It was yeah. so. It was. It was. This is a theme that we're gonna go with MLW guys. Like they're just not good. Well, I'm not gonna say that entirely. I, most of them aren't good. But let's talk about. Uh, this is MLW showcase. MLW sucks. This is terrible. If the, if this was their showcase, they need to do some work because this was really hard to get. Through. This was. It was clunky. The pacing sucked. Oh God, the pacing uh, the, was the terrible. The crowd. The crowd was. Dead. Yeah, and Killer Cross won with a thing. I don't even know what it was. I couldn't. I Who was, cares what he won with? It was a thing. I was I was tweeting somebody. By the way, follow me on Twitter. Link is either going to be right there or in the description. They also follow Peanut Gallery. He's not as active as I am. I'm not. I'm not very active at all. But you can follow me. I, I sometimes post. You interesting do. things. Sometimes sometimes he's really clever at it. But yeah, no. This this match was really clunky. Thumbs down. Hella. I was so disappointed too. I was so looking forward to this match too. It was really unfortunate. Oh, boo-hoo. Were you not? Oh God, I was. Ugh. All right, let's talk about Kanosuke Takeshka, Alan Angels, Nick Wayne, and Jonathan Gresham. I had no idea what was happening uh, in this match. Now, the thing, it was a four-corner survival match, and the winner got a number one contender. They were the number one contender for the Progress Champion. Number one, I'm glad that they put a stipulation on it. Yes. And also. Four corner survival. How about just have a regular fatal four way? I'm gonna give an orange close. Cassidy thumbs down. I'm gonna give it an orange Cassidy thumbs up in general. I thought it was a pretty good match generally, but the four it just didn't make sense to me. I had no idea what was the, happening. The, the problem is that with four corner survivals is that you start off with like it being a tag and it just kind of devolves. At that point, why even bother right. having the match? In the right, match? exactly. And that was and that was the unfortunate part. It's right. like I'm sitting there, I'm like, what was the point of it to do that? Just to do it? Mm-hmm. The flow was actually interrupted by right. like the tagging and shit, right. to be honest with you. But like I said, overall it was just a fun match and it was a bridging pin from Jonathan Gresham to win. I thought that was great. Whoop de doo, Jonathan Gresham is a new person. He's oh he's a he's God. a one contender. He's going to do something else. He's out of that shithole AEW company. It's all well and good. Moving on. I know I'm I'm gonna get some shit about that, but you know what? Come at me, bro. You guys are simps anyway. Let's talk oh. about this was really hard to watch. Uh, so it's Carrie and Ricky Morton representing the Rock and Roll Express taking on Brock. Thumbs and... down. I'm going to give an Orange Cassidy thumbs down. I'm going to be a little bit nicer. It was Brock Anderson. I'm not nice. It was, or- it was a full thumbs down. There was no Orange Cassidy involved in this. This match was just terrible. I'm so disappointed, too, because once again, you have good wrestlers who do good wrestling things, but for some reason... They did not care at all. Like, no, zero. no, no, no. They just didn't fucking care. Also, you know, it, it's really hard to, like, even take this seriously when only one person was actually part of the original, like, group that they were representing. Cause and he, he was the worst one of the bunch. Well, because he's, like, 72. Yeah, and he's a fucking retire. He really does. I mean, goddamn! At least Robert Gibson, even though he was out there, at least he has the decency to retire when he needs right. to. Right. Seriously. And, and, and unfortunately, you're a guy who really likes Kerry Morton. 
And Kerry Morton even looked bad in this match. Oh, God, yes. You're, you're the one who praises Kerry all the time. You're oh, like, I know, but Kerry Morton did not do a good job with this. Brock, was, I mean, bless bless their hearts. They really tried, but the problem was is that I feel like they just— It wasn't about them. It was it was about the nostalgia. Yeah, it's it was, about the nostalgia, and I'm sorry. with younger your nostalgia. With younger guys, you're not going to have nostalgia. Either, either have— Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson taking on Brock Anderson in a fucking dead body or Larry Zabisco or have nothing at all. Right. Like, that's legitimately what it is. And it was a corner buster. I'm pretty sure I got that incorrect. It was a front-facing suplex for the win. It was the dumbest fucking finish yeah, ever. it was. This shit absolutely blew. You know what? I'm going to revise my fucking thing. It was a full thumbs down. It was a full thumbs down. That's right. Fucking bullshit. Let's talk about a match that was actually very excellent. Oh, this was an excellent match. I'm going to give a full thumbs up, this, actually. This one does get a full thumbs up. Uh, Bandito, Black Tarus, Laredo Kid, Ray Phoenix. Triple R really just, they're, they they came and they won. Well, yeah, no, they did. Well, they, we really need that palate cleanser. Number one, Black Tarus. Okay, all right, I, I want to set this scene. Well, you're probably going to see it because I'm recording this, right? So, Bandito tried to do a suicide dive on Black Tarus, right? But his, but his feet hit the top rope. And he was about to land on his head, basically dying. Black Tarus, being a fucking monster, grabs a grown man flying, gravity fuck you, and <laughs> picks him up and saves his ass. Legitimately, Black Tarus is a hero. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. He was a hero. <laughs> but this was a, so much fun in every way. It got the crowd really back it into did. it. It engaged them. It was after the skid mark of, of, of Ricky Morton <laughs> left the fucking ring. After the last two matches, they needed something like this. Right. It just all goes downhill from here. So I mean, I mean, uh, not the next match. What are you talking about? Uh, next Two matches. Ah, well, we'll see. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna rip them a new one too. Let's talk about it. Are you After this match, though. Yeah, no. Let's talk about more about this match because there was a lot going on here. It was high paced, really good action. It flowed nice. It was just what the rest of the show needed. Um, it, but it was a modified fear factor from Ray Phoenix to win mm -hmm. against Black Taurus. Once again, full thumbs up. I like this match a lot. If you want to watch any match, go out of your way to watch this. I would even say this before the Flair match. Mm -hmm. and the fucking show's named after him. All right, well, let's talk about this. Josh oh, Alexander Josh Alexander defending the Impact World Champion against Jacob Fatu. Well, obviously, Josh Alexander carried this. But Jacob Fatu is just unnaturally good. He's, he's an Anoa'i. <laughs> he really is. He's fucking in the way. Isn't it like in the water or something? No, 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 no. <laughs> it's, it's, it's in the blood. They all fuck each other, so. <laughs> they, they fuck each other, and that's somehow good wrestlers? I, I have no idea. Although, Jacob Fatu is the only good person in MLW, so we're going to roll with it. No, there's um, Alexander Hammerstein. Okay, fine. There were two good people in MLW. And the Von, <laughs> Von Erichs were pretty good, too. No, Von Erichs were not good. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not here. Phoenix would be very cynical. Tonight. I am very cynical. Anyways, let's talk about this match because Fatu did some really weird things. I didn't think people his size 
Yeah, no, he did. He did like a, he did like a single like moonsault. He was doing crazy shit like her. Oh, and out of out of everyone and out of the North, uh, did you think that Josh Alexander was gonna be the one who was the breakout star in that? Nope. Not at all. <laughs> Nobody thought that. People thought that Ethan Page was going to be the guy, and now he's kind of willowing in fucking AEW, yeah. where Josh Alexander... He's a world champion. And he's been pulling out banger after banger after banger um, as this world champion, too. Like, nobody is stopping Josh Alexander. Right. They, they've, they've, they've done magic with this guy. And I think even with this match against Jacob was just... Very good. It was, I it was a fan. I'm gonna give it a thumbs up. I am too, 100. percent It was a uh, the, okay. I did not like the ending personally. Oh no, so, I didn't either. I so mean, so the fuck, major, it was it was it was a it was a no contest. Right. The major brothers came in to attack both guys, and then out of nowhere, for reasons, DDP comes through the crowd in his Cardona with a uh, diamond cutter. Yeah. I'm like, because. Reason because DDP wants to do stuff. He had to be there and do his whatever. Yeah. I guess this was a way to keep both of them strong. I mean, in, in one light, I'm okay with the ending, but at the same time, I'm not okay with the ending. Yeah. Speaking of Von Erich, let's talk about Von Erich <sighs> and the Briscoes. God, the Briscoes carried this match. Didn't well, they? It's not like they're more experienced or anything. The, the the Von Erickser is terrible. Oh my You're god! So mean. <laughs> like what the fuck? <laughs> I feel like you're wrong. The Von Erickser are actually good. They were just not in prime competition level during. No, the no, show. no. They they were just terrible. I've seen I've seen the better. the Briscoes the Briscoes carried this match through and through. I have seen better from them. I don't know what was going on with MLW. I'm gonna give it an Orange Cassidy thumbs down because I'm gonna give it an Orange Cassidy thumbs up because I know that there's potential to do better because I Yeah, there's like potential for them to, to sit in catering. <laughs> Your, this is what happens when peanut gallery drinks too much without having any food. I had food. I made food. This is true. I saw the queen though. I know. So anyway, but um, that's the problem for future tiger. I know. I know. Well, I mean, future future tiger here in a couple of minutes. <laughs> so it was a froggy boat for the Briscoes to win. Um, the, the one thing about this match that was just so prevalent is that I feel like the MLW guys, other than maybe Jacob Fatu, did not care. Right. They were just there because they're like, oh, this is free publicity. Yeah, pretty much. And I feel like that's the wrong way to go. Yeah, that's pretty much it because MLW's Bow's Relevance is a cheese sandwich. I, feel, I, I, I blame Court Bauer for all of that, too. Yeah, like, pretty I feel much. like he's like, don't give a shit about this show. Nobody right. cares. Even though, even though everybody was watching this Garrett. Oh, let's talk about this match. This match was very interesting because I thought we got major injury. So we had Jordan Grace, Deanna Perrazzo, and Rachel Ellering for the Impact Knockouts World Champion. And now, the ankle. So what happened was the literal first thing was like the little roll-up thing that yeah. everybody else was doing. But Jordan Grace landed on ring's leg and her entire body it was just kind of like contorted around Jordan Grace to the yeah. point where I thought her ankle snapped like a twig. But it, it might have been just a stinger, maybe some torn tendons, mm -hmm. something. But Rachel Ellering, being the bitch that she is, got back in that ring and finished the match. She did. She put her full weight on everything too. So it wasn't a break. It definitely was a sprain. Yeah. I mean, sprain minimum. 
Like right. 100%. I mean, but let's talk. This match was not bad. It was not bad. I mean, it was. I'm, I'm going to give it an Orange Cassidy thumbs up. I agree with you. Orange Cassidy thumbs up. Um, I general. mean, it, it, it was it was an innocent match. Obviously, three very capable women of of just. There we go. This is how it right. is. Right. Three capable women with different wrestling styles. I thought they gelled really well. Yeah, they I'm did. Not, I, I was not a personal big fan of the finish. It was just like a sleeper hole. Yeah, it was just whatever. It was a bit lame, to be honest with you. There was the, the, the issue is that there was really not a whole lot to really say about this match because you right. knew who was going to win. There was no rivalry going into it. It was just a match. It was just there. There was a problem. There, here's the thing. There was an issue why having title matches on a show that your champion is not associated with is a problem. Exactly. Because then nobody else cares. Right. It's like, oh, it's just nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to change. Right. What are you talking about? Like, why? It's a very rare occasion when a champion of a different promotion changes hands on another promotion. It is. And you just knew that they weren't going to do that here. Right. All right, let's talk about this. The All big right, match. Let's, talk, All let's, right. let's talk about the big match. So, the match itself, two thumbs down. 100%. Two thumbs down. But this, the nostalgia, two thumbs up. I'm going to give it a thumbs up. I'm not even going to give it a two thumbs up. This was sad. It, it was. hurt. Um, Andrade and Ric Flair in his final match, taking on Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett. What a what a skid mark on a fucking toilet bowl yep. seat. Uh, Jeff Jarrett is such a great heel. He is. He is so he's such a great heel, man. He got people so riled up, and even Karen Jarrett, they just know how to rile people up, and I think they love it. I was so happy. I was so giddy with it. Also, his entrance was fucking cool. But yeah. Let's talk about the 73-year-old elephant in the room, though. Mr. Richard Fleer. I, 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 want, I want to put this in perspective because I don't think people realize how old Ric Flair is. Ric Flair is two years older or two years younger than Joe Biden. Joe Biden is 78, Ric Flair is 73. So Ric Flair is five years younger than our president. Five years younger. Like, literally. Like, come the fuck on. Like, like, like you you think it's bad? I mean, he's like, I think I think Donald Trump is like two years older than, than Ric Flair. Right. Like, is. like, that is how old this man is. Ric Flair wore a fucking... Purple beanbag <laughs> like, during his match. It was so bad. It was. They tried. They're fucking damn. It was. It was. It was a weak fucking match, man. This hurt so bad. Peanut Gallery and I are '90s kids. We were watching Ric Flair when he was already a 16-time world champion. Right. Like we were not Ric Flair. Like to the point, a uh, uh, male parental unit thought Ric Flair was dead. Yeah, no, we we did predictions with him, and he legitimately thought that Ric Flair died. And I feel like in this moment, I felt my soul get ripped out of my chest. <laughs> no, it was really hard to watch because I remember when Ric Flair, he was so old, but he could pull off a, like a good match. Yeah, but this was not good. Like people are like, oh my god, this. There were people who legitimately said that this entire event was better than SummerSlam, and then I wanted to crawl through the screen and slap them in the face. 
So this this was not a good match. It, but again, a nostalgic value, I'll give it a two thumbs up for nostalgia because obviously this there is a, it, this regardless of what you think about the match itself, it was still a historic match because it would be the last time that someone like Ric Flair ever stepped into the ring. This is true. I'll agree with you there. Ric Flair is no longer competing. Like and like like nostalgic value, like there is this, a, there no it was no. magic. Unfortunately, here's the problem. There was a point in time when nostalgia dies. And I feel like with this match, it just felt like nostalgia. I, I could not I could not put on those rose colored glasses to even give it a half a thumbs up. For anything, it just was hard. It was even hard to give it a full thumbs up for the nostalgia because at that point I'm like, this was a wrestler that I actually cared. It was like Undertaker wrestling against Goldberg at Super Showdown. Yeah, that's true. It's like this is a wrestler where nostalgia be damned. It sucks and it's hard to watch. Mm -hmm. That's true. And Ric Flair got into it. Wasn't even a figure for submission. It was. It was. It was a, a figure for. Pin. Yeah, yeah, it was it was terrible. So I, mean, were, like, I mean, just the whole match itself was just it was just god awful. It was so bad. It was so hard to watch. This was such a bad idea. And God bless Conrad for trying to give Ric Flair at least one good send off. But this was such a bad idea in every oh, way, God, shape, yes. and form. Anyways, I'm not going to talk too much about it because it was just it was god awful. Yep. But anyways, off off of that note, I mean overall the event was okay. I mean I'm gonna give it, I'm gonna give SummerSlam a full thumbs up. I'm gonna give this an Orange Cassidy thumbs up. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give SummerSlam that two thumbs up. I'm going to give this an Orange Cassidy thumbs up. There we go. So uh, next week, what are we talking about? So we do not know yet. There are no pay per views happening. Yeah. Um, there is a special, but I'll be watching that separately from Peanut. So that's just what's happening there. But guess what? If you did enjoy this video, remember to like, follow, and subscribe. Become a patron. Uh, we have the... Uh, we're gonna have I the, finally finished the copy. Yes, so we're going to have the patron set up. So if you're going to be big league to the MoMAs, and anywhere in there for every 100 patrons within those lines, we're going to be adding a new show with Luke. Yes. Now, Peanut Gallery may not be joining me for all of those yet. But I will be doing that. So uh, sign up. Pay us more share. money so I can do this full time. Right. And it's like, oh, oh do, you, do you care about money? It's like, no, I care about my time. Right. I, if I, if I'm, I, I do the editing. That's what I do. I do this for the pay-per-views because I love doing it. But, it, you know, I'm not going to do it for every Raw. Right. Now, if I get 100 patrons to do it, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's like, if we're making a full-time income, then fuck. I'm, I'm going to have the time to do that. Right. So. Become a patron. Let's rock and roll on that. Remember to like and share and subscribe. Become a patron today. You also get other really cool perks. Too. Oh, that's like, true. Don't think about that. You get like you get a free hat. Yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll get hats. You'll get signed merch. You'll get a lot of really cool stuff. So check it out. And as always, be majestic.